Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 149. This is Dave. Cop Wang. <laughs> and joining us this week on very short notice, very kindly from Screen Geeks UK, we've got Mr. Jack Gregson. How you doing, sir? I'm good, sir. How's it all going over there? It's it's going. I'll get to that explanation once I talk about what I watched yesterday. But beyond that, yeah, life, life's good. <laughs> Um, and, and Barry wasn't able to make it this week, but Ethan, I understand you have a beat on what where he is and what's going on. Yeah, he's swagging out at the OF concert tonight in Toronto, so I hope he doesn't get stomped to death or something, because that'd be unfortunate. That's an interesting way to celebrate his wife's birthday. That's that's very, very, uh, I don't know, interesting. <laughs> wow. What? Let's go ahead and just start off by talking about what we watched this week. Um, Ethan, why don't you kick us off, sir? Well, uh, we are talking about Jerry Bruckheimer this week. So did you get, get caught up? Catch, and to catch up on some of his titles, I uh, last Sunday when we didn't have a show, I had a Tony Scott marathon. Wow. And uh, one of the films by uh, Mr. Scott that I watched, that isn't produced by Bruckheimer, it's the one that wouldn't be part of the show's topic, but that I watched was uh, The Last Boy Scout. Nice! Which I have to say I, I quite enjoyed. It's super, like cartoonishly ridiculously violent and kind of misogynistic and a little bit stupid but on the other end I think kind of smart and very fun and I kind of like that as much of a cartoonish action movie it is it it also kind of has this weird kind of film noir vibe to it at times Mm -hmm. and I have to say I knew I was into it from the opening scene where a football player shoots people other players (laughs) in the field so you really can't go wrong there yeah yeah Great film. Nice. Next, I watched um, Old Joy, directed by uh, Kelly Reichardt, who uh, recently did uh, Wendy and Lucy and Meek's Cutoff. Uh, this film, it stars this one guy and also Will Oldham, better known as Bonnie Prince Billy, one of the best mu- musicians in folk music today. Um, it's about two like old friends who they go out on a camping trip and that's a, 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 basically the extent of the film's narrative. It's just them on this trip, you know, hanging out, talking. And it's a li- only a little over an hour long, but honestly, it is an excellent film. I, it is so strangely compelling and calm and quiet and kind of just... You, some people would say it's really minor, but I think it's very profound in its own kind of way. And it's really atmospheric, and yeah, I, I completely recommend this film. Right on. Uh, next, I watched Michael Haneke's Time of the Wolf. This is kind of like, almost like his version of The Road in a way. It's uh, basically set in what's uh, implied is the end of the world. And basically this family's traveling around, and the mother's played by Isabelle Huppert, one of the best actresses working today. And basically, uh, this is kind of a spoiler for the opening scene, but, you know, it's the opening scene, not the entire movie, so whatever. They go into this cabin where this other family's staying, and the dad's kind of trying to reason with this other father about, you know, like, staying there. But then the sh- dad, this other dad shoots him right in the face with a gun. And it's pre- a pretty kind of typical, shocking Michael Haneke scene. But the thing is that, like, Isabella Huppert just, like, does not react to it at all. I found that very chilling. Hmm. And then they um, go and find, like, this other kind of compound of people who are trying to figure out the world, like, you know what to do now that the world's over. And from there, it's kind of typical Michael Haneke, like I said, very shocking and strange and whatnot. In fact, there's one very particularly disturbing image involving a horse, but I won't spoil that because, you know, but I'd recommend it. It's good. But like a lot of his other films, I'd like to see it again before I form a true opinion on it. Gotcha. Uh, next, I watched for the first time ever Cabin Boy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and what spurred that on? I actually bought it. Okay. It was part of a four for 20 deal at HMV. Nice. And I was like, you yeah, know, why not? Okay. And uh, I have to say, I, I quite like this movie. It's it's pretty funny. Right on. Like, I can see, it's obvious. Hey, like, wait, what I, is this movie? Kevin Elliott. It's a Chris I, I Elliott no vehicle. This film. It's a Chris Elliott vehicle uh, produced by Tim Burton. It's about uh, yes, oh, Chris cool. Elliott is like this like um like i he's like a graduate of some school it's kind of weird but he's like and he's like he goes expecting to be on like this like cruise to hawaii 
but it's actually like this uh, fishing boat with like these like crusty seamen and uh he, he gets all these like weird adventures and in, involving like uh, like a half <laughs> dolphin half shark half man played by uh, dr jacoby from twin peaks and like this like uh, this stop motion <laughs> like snowman monster and <laughs> it's pretty awesome something that has to be seen to be believed yeah nice. i wholeheartedly recommend it <laughs> Okay. And there's a great there's a great cameo by David David Letterman in it. I won't spoil it, but it's awesome. But it's there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I watched uh, Olivier Assayas, who recently did Carlos. I watched his one of his also recent films, uh, Summer Hours. It's about uh, this family in France, and they're uh, it's three uh, it's three siblings, right? And they're grown siblings, and their mother dies, and she leaves behind all their possessions, and they have to figure out kind of what to do with them where they sell them or they keep them or whatnot. And it revolves, revolves around the family and all the drama. You know, uh, Juliette Binoche plays one of the members of the family. And uh, it actually, it reminded me a lot of Toy Story 3. It's like, yeah, it's like a French art house live action version of Toy Story 3. And wow. uh, I quite enjoyed it. It's, it's, uh, it's very effortlessly compelling, which I liked about it. It's never really too melodramatic. It never really focuses on... In, on t- too many things I, I thought it was just a great watch and finally I watched uh, John Cassavetti's Gloria for the first time I have to say this is an awesome awesome movie it's about um, uh, there's this basically at the beginning there's this family and it's basically uh, it's a, there's a mob hit put out on the father and Gina Rollins comes who's a friend of the family and she takes the like six year old son to like watch over him and uh, basically throughout the movie, they get into these adventures as the mob is looking after them. And the great thing about Gina Rowland's character in this movie is that she says in the beginning, I hate children. So throughout the movie, she's like just like swearing at this kid and just like chewing him out. And it's interesting how her relationship with this six-year-old child is as complex as any relationship in any other Cassavetes film. And uh, it also, it's very emotionally compelling, I have to say, in the end. I was kind of... I was getting a little teary-eyed at the end, I have to say. Hmm. But uh, I wholeheartedly recommend that film. It's awesome. So that is all I watched. Cool. Right on, sir. All right, Jack, do you want to go next? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I didn't really watch a lot this week. Um, uh, one thing I watched is uh, the new release, so I'll save it for then. But um, I watched Mother's Day, the remake of the apparent trauma classic but i haven't seen the trauma version by um darren lynn bousman mm-hmm. the director of saw two three and four and repo the genetic opera which i kind of liked okay um th- this movie <laughs> this this movie is just terrible <laughs> there's no other word there is no like there's no reason for this film to exist it's silly it's incredibly violent for no reason and at times it feels sort of like um uh michael haneke's funny games where it's saying no you shouldn't enjoy this violence but soon after a while it's sort of just going on and on with the violence that it's starting to glamorize it and glorify it and just oh god it's horrible it's absolutely just it, it's got some of the worst acting I've ever seen just from the girl from Spy Kids and Rebecca DeMornay should just stick to being in fictional Carl Pilkington movies if you get that joke I'm going to be really surprised um, <laughs> uh, no it's it's bad it's, I don't see this movie it's one of the worst I've seen this year and you've seen some doozies um other I've I've seen some terrible films in my time, <laughs> but um, none seem to compare just to the inanity that was Mother's Day. Mother's Day, it's, it's awful. Uh, apart from that, what else did I watch? Um, oh, I rewatched JJ from Star Trek, which I still really enjoy. I think it's a pretty damn good blockbuster for. Mm-hmm blockbuster's sake uh, other than that nothing else fair enough alright and I've only watched a few things um, 
Like Ethan said, we took last week off with it being Mother's Day. <laughs> Pardon the uh, awful, awful joke there. It was not intentional. Oh, uh, just, yeah, taking some time off there. But I went and saw Thor. Did, did anyone else see this? I have seen yeah, this. Okay. okay. So everyone knows I hate the character, but I had a good time at the movie. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's probably I, one of the I lesser movies, yeah, but it's not I bad. It I had no interest in, in it beforehand, but I was like... I had nothing to do. It was kind of like uh, I needed something to do, and I was near the theater, and I was like, "Okay, yeah," and I, uh, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I was I, expecting nothing, and um, got something else in return. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, I just liked the thing I liked about. It, I described it on my Twitter as a cross between Krull and Star Trek Four. <laughs> Nice. I just enjoyed how silly it was, and I think it's—I think it's honestly way. It is so much better made than like both Iron Man movies. Like you can tell, like you can compare, you can tell how Kenneth Branagh is like a real filmmaker when compared to like John Favreau when you watch this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I still think I probably—I definitely liked the first Iron Man film better than this. Yeah. <laughs> But it, but here's the thing. I mean, I've made no secret of how much I despise the character of Thor. But I have to give Chris Hemsworth props. I mean, he he stepped up to the plate and I think he knocked it out of the park. He he brought that Man, character to life. He has really him. been to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my friends described him as a uh, pretty similar to James Marsden in Enchanted, which I happily agree with. <laughs> I think he really the steals the movie in the same way that Marsden stole that movie. <laughs> Sorry, had to cough real quick there. Uh, yeah, I the sets were great. The the way that they did the Rainbow Bridge was very well done. I, I just think it was a well done film. Uh, like I said, it's not my favorite Marvel film, but it's a good one. It's a solid one, and I think worth it's definitely worth catching in the theater, but not in 3D. I was gonna yeah, say I so just... many of the action scenes were like so dimly lit. I was thinking like this would be unwatchable in 3D. <laughs> I saw it in 3D. I did not enjoy watching it in 3D. <laughs> I, I had a hard time thinking. After we walked out of the theater, I was asked, thinking to myself, was there any scene that I'm like, wow, I wish I would have seen this in 3D, and there wasn't a single one. I'd like his pecs to come out at me in 3D. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, it is I don't seeing. even remember it being 3D. I just remember just having to wear glasses and taking them off at one point and the film looked the same. Dang. I might have just taken 3D glasses into a 2D screening, though. That is a possibility. You wear your sunglasses at night. (laughs) If you say the future's so bright, I'm going to have to hurt you. (laughs) This is an awkward silence. (laughs) I think it's fair to say that, that Natalie Portman needed to take a movie off after um, Black Swan, and this was it. Man, you could like so tell throughout that movie she just wanted to like screw his like screw his brains out. <laughs> like like there there wasn't much of the romance, but they had chemistry because you could like tell they really wanted to just get it on. There you go. And then you had Kat Dennings doing whatever it was she was doing. <laughs> Man, have you seen her lately? Like her. Not to like sound like chauvinistic here, but man, her boobs are big. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you know, let's move on to the next movie. I also saw. <laughs> I also got around to seeing the source code uh, from Duncan Jones, and I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was pretty well thought out, and just really had a good time watching it. I think it was it was a fine film. Jake Gyllenhaal just really was amazing in it. I thought. I liked this movie. I liked it too. Yeah, we talked about it at length, so we'll leave it go with that. And then yesterday, I was in Best Buy and stumbled across the first season of uh, Justified for like fifteen bucks. And I just decided you just can't go wrong with with a show like that for fifteen bucks. Um, I know I've gone on record as not being the biggest fan of Timothy Oliphant between what? Live Free and between Live Free and Die Hard and Hitman. Just kind of lost okay, all interest. Yeah, but like, and I haven't but seen like Deadwood. The girl next door. <laughs> He's awesome at that. Yeah, it was all about the girl next door. Yeah, or Scream Two. Was it Scream Two? He was in. Yeah, I like him in that. And Rango. Yeah. He's awesome. Rango. His cameo in Rango is awesome. I have not seen Rango yet. I need to. I need to. He's awesome in Go. 
Wow. Have you watched Deadwood? I have not. I haven't either, but his mustache in it is awesome. <laughs> well, I've got to say that this I've I've I ended up like mainlining four episodes in a row last night and got didn't get to sleep for like almost midnight. It was beautiful, and he I I have completely essentially erased those two performances from my memory because he is awesome and justified. It is a heck of an entertaining, fun show. Have either of you guys? Did watched you say this? you didn't get to bed until midnight? I usually go to bed way earlier. Oh, I was gonna say, wow, Dave's a bad boy. No, staying up. <laughs> Word. Hey, when your normal bedtime's seven p.m. Wait, no, 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 no. Um, have either of you actually seen this? I would like to, but I've got. I have to finish the wire first. Fair enough. Fair enough. He, I, I haven't yet, but I hear amazing things. I have too, and I have to say they're completely justified. It's a great character show. <laughs> Totally did not mean that, but oh well. <laughs> you gotta love the unintentional pun. Uh, but he he essentially plays a U.S. Marshal, kind of like Tommy Lee Jones in U.S. Marshals, but more of a cowboy, literally. And uh, what what really sets the show apart is just how great the character development is amongst all the different parts of the cast, whether they be at the marshal's office or in his hometown or family or whatever. It's just an outstanding show. I'm not going to ruin anything in this show, but you need to see it. It is a phenomenal show. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I saw Sucker Punch yesterday. Oh, boy. Oh, man. See, if you if, if you saw... If you're a Zack Snyder fan, but you just wish he had more slow-mo, like if you could put more than what was in Watchmen and 300 together, then Sucker Punch is for you. If you wanted more rape, you yes. know, it's for you. <laughs> this movie would have been about 20 minutes oh, shorter if, if... Yeah, this would have been at least 20 minutes shorter, I think, if they would have cut down on the slow-mo. I oh this was, it was not a good movie. It was essentially it seemed like a bunch of trailers for other movies. I just I just think the more I've thought about this movie since I've seen it, just the whole gender politics of it just drives me insane. Like what like what seriously what with this movie was he what was he trying to say? That's exactly what I was thinking on the drive home yesterday. I'm like what what was the point of this? There, okay um lobotomies are bad okay we figured that out a few decades ago i think we're i think we're good on that one <laughs> um i i don't know you, you it, it, i think this I one really that, was misogynistic you find that final mon- monologue in the movie just kind of insulting it's like why it made no sense even though i just finished watching the whole movie i was just it the, none of the movie made sense it was a complete waste of my time pretty much <sighs> i mean the the visuals are pretty stinking impressive in some spots Generic? it's just it's it's like the tarsem visuals it's just like slow motion shots of like capes in a desert yeah this is definitely a movie you'd like watch you could show anyone any like one minute clip of it and they'd say oh that's a Zack Snyder movie because oh yeah, yeah it was so, I, I the only reason I saw it was because I was talking to the greens and they forced they, 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 I promised them I would see in the theater and it was at the, the $1.50 theater so I was like how can I go wrong and for a buck fifty, I guess I don't feel like I was ripped off, but I'll I'll never watch this again. It, it's yeah. Uh, I don't know why people would like that movie. I'll, I'll just oh, but it. at least it had a great soundtrack. It did. <laughs> I was doing that in my sarcasm voice, but yeah, I was playing along with that because that was uh, so bad, so very bad. Yeah, uh, don't don't go see it. There's really not much need to. Um, yeah, you know, on that on that note, let's just move on to what's coming out in theaters this week because that just depresses me the more I think about that dumbass movie. Um, we've got, let's see, in wide release, we've got, <laughs> speaking of depressing, Priest, which is apparently Ooh. like Legion, but with vampires from everything I'm reading. What's what's with Paul Bettany? Why is why is this like his bread and butter now? <laughs> I don't know. He used to be a really good actor. <laughs> I think he's going to be starring in like Rabbi or something about like. A, <laughs> The Hebrew Hammer too. Yeah, werewolf fighting rabbi. I, wait, him, wait, him is a Hasidic Jew. That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, and, and then Rabbi uh, Pi. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Uh, and then we've also got a film that Barry won't stop gushing about: Bridesmaids. He said it's absolutely outstanding, uh, which means I'll see it at some point. Probably in the yeah, cheap theater. I, I don't want to be that like 
things. I go see a lot of movies alone, and I just know it's going to be like full of wom- women, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to feel like an asshole. <laughs> Fair enough. And then in limited release, we have got Everything Must Go, starring Will Ferrell, and then Escher, which, Jack, I understand you saw. I saw Everything Must Go. Oh, okay, you saw Everything <laughs> Must Go. I thought you saw Escher, my bad. Everything yeah. Must Go, how was that? No, I... It's good. It's um. It's I mean. It's um. Really doesn't. If you're going into this thinking you're getting a Will Ferrell comedy, you're not. It's not very funny. It's pretty somber for the most part. It's a real examination of a man's coming to cope with his alcohol problem. Uh, it's, it's nice. The performance from Ferrell is strong. As is the oh god, what is her name? The Rebecca female Hall. of the film. Rebecca Hall. Rebecca Hall. Yeah, yeah. How's uh, Biggie? Um, how's Biggie's son in it? She's very good. Biggie's son in it. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not bad. He's, yeah, he's not bad. He's uh, he he does he does his he does his thing. He he he's a nice little foil to Will Ferrell. Uh, now the the film works. It doesn't work where uh, whenever Laura Dunn's on screen as Ferrell's sort of ex girlfriend who he's trying to rekindle things with, but um. No, it's a nice film. I also I also want to say that I did see Bridesmaids as well. Uh huh. Um, it's yeah, it is great. Um, I went to see it in a screening full of uh, women, <laughs> and it's uh, and uh, it is very good. I, I went to a screening full of women where they handed out free makeup samples and um, had uh, topless <laughs> men giving out bags of sweets. So yeah. <laughs> I think I saw it in the most awkward way possible, but I still loved this movie and laughed really hard. Um, I think that would just add um, to the experience. It's, it's great, yeah. So it's, it's, it's um, worth seeing. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's it's very funny. Go go see it. It's uh, it's nice to see women who aren't like the women in Sex and the City. Um, big thumbs up from me. Right on. Cool. All right, well then, uh, let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting DVD and Blu-ray this week. We have got, oh, Jason Statham's craptastic The Mechanic. We've got The Right, which wasn't all that well-received. Wow, this is a really bad week. The Other Woman, um, The Roommate with Leighton Meester, amongst other people. Um, that's a bad one. <laughs> did you see that one, too? Yeah, <laughs> that's another bad film that I've seen this year. <laughs> wow, you're going to have a heck of a bottom ten list this year, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh, moving on to some better stuff. We've also okay, not maybe not better necessarily. We've got the new Marvel animated film Thor: Tales of Asgard, which I won't be watching. Um, let's see. We've also got Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. Uh, season five. We have got Twilight Zone season four coming out on Blu-ray. We have got Rift Tracks Live. We've got two releases. We've got the House on Haunted Hill and Reefer Madness shows, which I can't wait to see those. I missed them when they were in the theater. And then. Looks like we have got Beverly Hills Cop coming on Blu-ray and Diabolique coming to Criterion Blu-ray and DVD. So a re-release on that one. Any thoughts on any of those? Do they come with a t-shirt? I wish. Okay. I wish they did, but they don't. All right, let's go ahead and move on to what's uh, what's happened what's happened in news over the past week or so. Um, we'll just kind of go around Robin a little bit. The new Muppets trailer, I mean Muppets poster came out. And it's a Muppets poster. Yeah, pretty much. There are Muppets on a discuss- sheet of paper. <laughs> whenever we discuss posters in the news, it's just it just it just lightens my day. <laughs> just it just makes it worth living, you know. Like I get up in the morning and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. But then we talk about a poster, and I'm like, yes. That's how I felt when I saw the uh, Straw Dogs trailer. Did did you guys see that? Oh, you bet I did. <sighs> this looks so bad. Uh, Has anyone here seen the original? Yes, I love the original. Yeah, I have. I feel I am the only one who haven't. I guess I feel bad about that. I'll get around. Uh, well, and, and Jack, you tell me if you agree with this. I just don't see James Marsden as, as as being able to pull off that role. He's no Dustin Hoffman. Well. I- I, I love James Marsden actually. I think he's I think he's a nice charismatic actor. Yes, I just don't think the he's right for the part. One thing you don't really want to bring to the yeah, the one thing you don't want to bring to this role is charisma. <laughs> yeah. It's not a charismatic role. You're a nervous, nerdy guy 
who isn't willing to stand up, and that's not James Marsden at all. <laughs> like, if you want to make it, you know, like no, just... like Michael Sarah in five year, five or ten years, that could be interesting. Mm. So, so Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> True. That would be good. I'd I'd, I'd love a Jesse Eisenberg starring um. Straw Dogs. No, no, but actually, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want any new version starring Straw Dogs because Straw Dogs is a product of its time yes. and it's so perfect for what it is. And I just don't want to see another version. It's a peck and par movie and it's perfect. I don't see the reason to do another. I'm not one of these people who's so against remakes, but when you've got a film like Straw Dogs, which, I mean, it would be like, I don't know, doing. I was just about to say doing Scream now, but I just realized we just had that. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's it's silly to even try and do a new version of Straw Dogs. It, it just doesn't make sense. I, uh, this just looks bad. I, I just and don't in see... All in America as well, that makes no sense to me either. Well, I think they were trying to figure out the one place that they could still do like backwoods people, which I guess apparently is the South. You can do it in England. There are some pretty backwards people. I'm here. Hey, yo. There it is. All right. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I just don't see this being a good idea. Um, you know, do we really want to? Do we want to talk about this movie review? That's that's hit online. I guess we may we, as well. The, the Alex Billington's fantastic review of Sleeping Beauty from Cannes. <laughs> what? His breathtaking film criticism, just his prose, just. It's it like I think Polly and Kale. If she saw this, she'd be like, "I can't, I can't compete with this." You're actually gonna make me go to that website for the first time in like a year to find this. No, I'm talking about the Transformers Three review that posted over at uh, Ain't It Cool. Apparently, it doesn't suck. Which, considering I, the last I don't know, movie, I read that review and I'm like, I feel like the exact same thing could have been like written about the second one. Okay. Like someone could say, "Oh, it's so much more emotional." Oh, Megan Fox, she has so much more to do in this one, and oh, the the effects are so good. Like, I just feel like that could like anybody could have written that review without having seen the movie, basically. Fair enough. Yeah, people tell me all the time that the first one doesn't suck. I still don't believe them. I've, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the only person who thinks that the uh, the second film is actually better than the first one. Not making it a good movie, I just think at least it was just batshit crazy enough to go insane and send Shia LaBeouf to Autobot Heaven at one point for no apparent reason <laughs> while he's running around with magic dust. Um, but, uh, no, I, this, this isn't going to be a good movie. This isn't a good series. No, <laughs> no really one's isn't. looking forward to this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, okay. Um, that, that, that took care of that one. Um, the last thing I have is that NBC has not picked up the Wonder Woman TV series, which, thank God, that's all I have to say about that. I'm happy. Okay. All right. I have a friend who saw the pilot who wasn't very complimentary about the pilot. I don't know of anyone who's been complimentary of the pilot. I'm always curious to see it just to see well, how bad it is. That's why I didn't get picked up. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, Ethan, is there anything you wanted to bring up news-wise? Oh, there's a lot, Dave. Okay. I know that the big one is, but we'll save that one for a little later. But yeah. Yeah, that trailer was amazing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson is going to start shooting The Master in June with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. All right. Woo! Huzzah! It's, I'm, I'm glad uh, Joaquin's making a comeback. I was kind of concerned he was, like, never going to be in a movie ever again. Like he was going to quit or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what else you got, sir? Uh, this guy see the horrible boss. Actually, I want to bring up two trailers at the same time. Horrible Bosses trailer and the Fright Night trailer. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've not the seen the Horrible that, Bosses trailer yet. The thing I like about these trailers in one, Colin Farrell's, like, really sexy, and the other, he's, like, fat, <laughs> bald, and... I, I'm really looking forward to the Horrible Bosses after seeing the trailer. I, um... I think it looks deliciously dark. <laughs> but, uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen the Fright Night trailer yet, though. It looks fun. And the picture of David Tennant 
like doing Chris Angel with a beard or something kind of has me sold. I will say though, it's it's shot in 3D and it looks very darkly lit, so it's gonna oh. that'll be a challenge. 3D. <laughs> but I'm saying it's like filmed in 3D and it's so darkly lit. So I'm saying when you're like oh. filming it, you must be kind of like you have to be like thinking about that at least, you know, like the people are gonna be able to see the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I, I, oh man, you know it. I'm I'm very fortunate that the theater by us has the the fake IMAX 3D, regular 3D, and they'll usually show movies in 2D as well. So I al- almost always opt for the 2D. It's just not worth the money. But yeah, that 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 does look. Fright Night looks like it's going to be pretty stinking fun. I can't wait to see that one. Though it kind of looks like it's taking itself seriously, and I'm like. If you're going to make Fright Night take itself seriously, you don't call it Fright Night. <laughs> Rhyming titles are inherently silly. Did, did, have you seen the picture of, of David Tennant? Yeah, I'm just saying based on the trailer, it's kind of like... I don't know. Yeah, e- either the, the film's going to go the wrong direction or it's or it's a incorrect trailer. I think it's going to make itself look a little serious because the title is Fright Night and people who don't know of the original are just like, Fright Night... No, thank you. <laughs> All right then. Cool. All right. What else you got, Ethan? Uh, Scorsese and Von Trier are going to collaborate to do a, another version of the Five Obstructions, that 2003 film with uh, Von Trier and Jorgen Leff, where he made him uh, remake his film The Perfect Human five times in five different ways. And at this time, he's going to do with Scorsese, but it's unknown at this point what he's going to do with probably like uh, the Big Shave or something. That's that's still that's a very interesting combination, though. It's interesting. If it, I don't know if you guys have seen the Five Obstructions, but I knowing Von Trier's uh, his uh, what what is, what's the word his uh, his uh, why can't, uh, reputation as kind of like a dick. It's kind of interesting throughout the movie because he's. He seems like a pretty nice guy with Jorgen left, but then there's kind of random times he'll they'll suddenly very he'll like shift and become like a very confrontational, and so it's I'm just he's a pretty interesting guy on screen, so I'm interested to see how him and Scorsese uh, interact. That, I'm I'm very interested to see how the, the final product and what's what we're gonna get. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Was that all you had, yeah. or did you have one more? And one more. There's a documentary on. Uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's attempt to make Dune coming. In fact, there's even a trailer for it, but it's pretty brief, and it's just him talking about how he wanted to be the. Basically, he wanted the movie to be like taking LSD without actually taking LSD. Nice. I, I, I'm sure you're chomping at the bit to see that one. Yeah. Nice. Right on. And then uh, Jack, I know you had, you had one thing you wanted to bring up as as a as a public service announcement, if you will, for our, our American listeners. Yes, good good people of America. I come. I bring you good news. The uh, movie Submarine, which was on my top ten list last year, was the best thing I saw at the London Film Festival. Is coming to your fair land on June third, twenty eleven. I'm pretty sure it will be a limited release, but um, it's fantastic. I know Barry just saw it, and he was quite complimentary about it. Um, I uh, go go see it. I, I I really can't recommend this movie enough. I really love this movie a lot. It's it's fantastic. Okay, yeah, I'm hoping it gets close to here, and, and if it is, if it's even if it gets up to Denver, I'll I'll go catch it for sure. No, it's uh, it's very good. Oh, I shall, I shall. All right, cool. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break before we get to talking about the visual onslaught that has been unleashed upon moviegoers by a producer. This is our first producer episode ever. We're going to be talking about Jerry Bruckheimer. We'll be right back. Oh, greetings. I hope you don't mind. We have a full house at the moment. Everyone is in town for Crypticon. What do you mean you don't know what Crypticon is? It is only the premier horror convention in the Pacific Northwest. May 27th through the 29th. Yes, yes, Uncle Vigor. It is not time yet. You see, he is a big fan of Bill Mosley. Oh, yes. 
There will be many famous horror people present for Crypticon. If you want to find out more, check out the Crypticon website at www.crypticonseattle.com. No, no, Aunt Taryn. Website, not web, not web. That woman loves her knitting. This is Nana Visitor, and this is Screen Geeks Radio. All right, and we are back. This week we are talking about the films of Jerry Bruckheimer. Not the director, because he doesn't direct, but he's a producer. And and Ethan Brett came up with this idea a couple weeks ago. And I, I wanted to roll with it, because I think... I, I, I want to know what your guys' idea is on this, but I think it, it's very clear, and... Jerry Bruckheimer films tend to have a very set visual style and have very set characteristics about them. Even though he's not directing it, it's, you can still see his fingerprint on him. Yeah, he's an auteur of a producer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so what are some of the things uh, that you're going to see in a Jerry Bruckheimer movie? You're going to see uh, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> um, <laughs> Will Smith, uh, Johnny Depp, yeah, Sharon Knightley. Denzel Washington. She seems to pop up a lot. You're, you're going to see Michael Bay's name come up quite a bit. Or Tony Scott. Yes. But interestingly enough, I was looking at some of his early films, and he produced uh, both Cat People and American Gigolo, directed by Paul Schrader. So it's interesting that he at one point was making films with Paul Schrader. Yeah, and then he kind of went off in another direction. I, pre- pre- I think you can make the argument pretty much starting with Flashdance. Oh, yeah. That's when you start seeing kind of like those those signature stamps, like the musical montage that's in just about every single movie that Jerry Bruckheimer produces. But it's interesting even like, because American Gigolo and Cat People are, at this, they're very, you know, glossy 80s movies, but they have kind of Paul Schrader there kind of subverting almost things, even before they were cliches. Yeah. So... But anyway, I'm glad I'm glad he uh, he brought Tony Scott into the limelight because he gave him the Top Gun gig after because the only movie he made before that was The Hunger, which was a huge bomb. But he loved his like commercials and music videos so much, and he loved The Hunger, so he gave Tony Scott the gig. And I love Tony Scott, so kudos man, to him. That man can can direct a volleyball scene like no one else. Actually, I will say Top Gun's probably my least favorite Tony Scott film. I'm glad. <laughs> I respect you even more now, sir. I I, I hate that I hate that movie, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I turned that movie off. <laughs> no, well, looking at his early '80s stuff, what about uh, the Beverly Hills Cop series? What do we What do we think of that? I love the first film. Honestly, I watched them. Oh, I didn't watch the third one, but I honestly think the second one's better than the first one. Yeah, it's been a while since I visit, revisited the second one. Well, and I think the second one, this is due to uh, Tony Scott being at the helm, but the second one, why I think it's better is because it feels like an actual movie. Gotcha, as opposed to an extended skit. Yeah, exactly. Like, it has Tony Scott at the helm, who's actually, like, is a a visual teller, you know, is great at action, is good with actors, as opposed to, like, the first Beverly Hills Cop, which is, you know, it's it's very funny, but it's still kind of just... It is kind of ugly looking and just kind of just just glossy, but not like interestingly glossy like Tony Scott. Yeah, yeah he does work with Tony Scott quite a bit. I'm looking through through this right now, and wow. Mm-hmm. Ted Demi. Well, some of their other, uh, cla- uh, let me see. There's a enemy of the state. Yeah, the sequel. Recently, the sequel Fresh to Prince, the- Attorney of Law. <laughs> I was going to call it the sequel to the uh, conversation, but okay, that works too. That's an enjoyable film. Uh, uh, also, did uh, Crimson Tide together? I love that movie. I hate that movie. What? I, I, it's amazing. It, it's always caught me as a ripoff, as a cheap knockoff of like Hunt for Red October. I don't know why. Oh, it is better than Hunt for Red October. Man. I, it's, uh, it's so well directed. The, the 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 screenplay is amazing with uh, Quentin Tarantino doing a lot of like <laughs> he polished it a lot. 
the dialogue's awesome. The performances by uh, Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington, are fantastic. I think I think that's a great movie. See, and I just see it as a whole as a couple guys yelling at each other a lot. But it has good. It's good yelling. <laughs> well written yelling. As long as it's good yelling, it's okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it looks like most a lot of his stuff has been in conjunction, especially through the '90s, with either Tony Scott or Michael Bay. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. He doesn't really like, does he have? I'm trying to think. Does he have like directors like that anymore? That he kind of because he hasn't done a movie with either of them in a while. I think. I don't think does John Turtletop quite a bit. Oh yeah, John Turtletop, one yeah. of my favorites. I I will still to <laughs> to an extent I will still defend the Sorcerer's Apprentice as a fun movie. I walked out of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Did you? Okay. I really hated what I was just saying, and then I just realized what was going to happen throughout the rest of the movie. I just thought, no, I can't be dealing with this. <laughs> At least you, you, and that is one thing about a lot of Bruckheimer films. You know what you're getting into before you even, probably, probably mostly before you even walk in the door. But within about the first ten minutes, the films tend to set the stage for what you're in for for the rest of the film. I was going to say, uh, I was mentioning how I think Paul Schrader was able to make kind of art films under him, at least. I think that uh, Tony Scott, if you've seen the direction he's been in the last decade, he's kind of made some, I'd say, are kind of art films in a way. And his film Deja Vu, which he produced, I think is pretty fantastic. Have either of you seen that? I have not. No. It's awesome. Like, it's it's so, um, the concept is just so strange, but... Tony Scott like totally makes it work and he gives it this like like I said with the last boy scout almost this like film noir feel but at the same time just his the formalism of it is so interesting so I think it's and that's the last film they've done together so I don't know but I, I really enjoyed that one it looks like most of his heyday is really through the 90s like the really good stuff that he put out for the most part I will say I'm a huge fan of Con Air oh me it's a guilty pleasure, absolutely. I don't even feel guilty about it. I just think it's a good movie. <laughs> it is. It is a great. It's a great action film. It's got. It's. It's one of Nicholas Cage's finest, I think. Yeah, I, I'd even say one of John Malkovich's uh, best roles. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny that you bring up Nicholas Cage, Jack, because um, one of my favorite films from that that era is probably The Rock. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that movie too, but it's funny, I think I watched it again like a few years ago, and I don't, you can really, like it's still good, but you can really notice some of the Michael Bay-isms. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not even talking like visually, I just mean t- like some of the humor. Yeah. Like when uh, that scene where uh, Sean Connery needs to like get his like ungodly haircut, and they, of course the hairdresser is gay, and he's like, your current cut was just like, that's like saying to Picasso, you can't have a brush. <laughs> fair like, enough. Uh, fair. That, that's fair. That's fair. But Nicolas Cage in that movie is awesome. Yes. <laughs> it is a fun time. Oh my! And it, I don't know. There's good stuff. And there's bad stuff. Because like I hate Armageddon with a passion. Yeah, I like the first half of Armageddon before they go into space. Everything on Earth is fine, and then the plot actually kicks in, and it yeah, goes downhill. Yeah. Yeah, I think specifically when they uh, go to that like Russian space station, it becomes like yeah. pretty much the worst movie ever made. Yeah, it's it's not not good. Yeah, no, the animal crackers scene. That's awesome. kind of what I was just about to bring up. That ow, but look, 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 one, one it's thing worthy that, of a Criterion release, and I own that Criterion release <laughs> proudly because it has a DTS soundtrack. So heck yeah. Um, one one thing I'm kind of noticing that's that's kind of interesting is that yes, a lot of these movies are going to be be surefire blockbusters all the way through. But every once in a while, he sneaks in something that's going to be a little bit out of the ordinary, something that's not going to be quite so accessible potentially, like uh, the ref. I didn't even know that he he worked, he produced the ref for crying out loud. Really? Yep. Yeah. Which is not that big blockbuster super action movie. It's a lot more intimate film. Enemy of the State, I think you can make the, the argument for the most part, is a fairly intimate film between two characters. Wait, that's a Dennis mm-hmm. Leary movie, right? Yes. Okay. Um, Dangerous Minds was another one that, again, you know, it's not... It still feels like a Bruckheimer film, but it still takes on something a little bit more serious, and it, it, he's really 
it's something that I don't think anyone else would have taken a chance on. I'm glad he's taking a chance on some of these kinds of I'm films. I'm glad it exists because it, it spawned that Coolio song. Yes, and then the Weird Al mm. video. Yeah. Word. But then once you hit about... Just come 2000, his films are terrible. Exactly. Gone in 60 Seconds, Coyote Ugly. I can... I, I kind of enjoy, oh, I enjoyed... Yeah, I like the Remember the Titans. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that, and Black Hawk Down is good. I was going to say, that's another Bad case where he's sort of... Awful. Yes. I was going to say, uh, Black Hawk Down, it's another case where he's sort of working with a more talented and respected director than, you know, just someone like uh, John Turtletob. <laughs> it's interesting because it, it totally has... Well, it's Ridley Scott, but it has, like, way more of, like, a Tony Scott aesthetic. Yeah. So do you think, like, he maybe influenced mm-hmm. that in a way, or...? It may have. It's entirely possible. It could have been, you know, really talked to Tony. He's like, all right, what do I need to do here since you've worked with the guy? Yeah, but um, I think with Pirates of the Caribbean, it seems like that was a bit of a sea change for him, like kind of the Bruckheimer formula. Like it kind of went from like being like getting like like an R-rated action movie with like lots of shots of sunsets and whatnot and like a great soundtrack and lots of vibe violence and swearing and cleavage and whatnot to just being kind of like getting like a joke charismatic jokey uh, lead with like a lot of uh you know like swashbuckling and people swinging on things and pg pg-13 rating and kind of lots of cgi and wouldn't you say it's definitely a departure Mm. for him yeah but but I mean just going back real quick I mean after he had Black Doc- Hawk down he did <laughs> Bad Company and Kangaroo Jack for crying out loud. Good back to back movies. Total times at the cinema. Yeah, and then he after yeah and then you do get to Pirates of the Caribbean which is a, a definite departure. It's a lot. It's a period piece. He doesn't do period pieces for the most part. Well, Pearl Harbor. Not after. Well, you you know what? I, I'm sorry. Victorian pieces. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna say we should talk Caribbean. about Harbor. Pardon? We should talk about Pearl Harbor because that is so like him and Michael Bay like going for the Oscar, and it's pretty pathetic. <sighs> yeah, you know I wish I had this. Hang on, I, I, no, I don't have it on me. Dang it! I wish I had the Team America song on me to play. Pearl Harbor sucks just a little bit more than I miss you. There you go. Yes. <laughs> what, what I and just ever so briefly to bring that song up. It pretty much nails down exactly everything that's wrong with Pearl Harbor, which is a lot. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, man, you gotta treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's Michael Bay it's trying to... I'm, I'm the biggest Ben Affleck defender ever. I like Ben Affleck a lot, but nothing's ever made me want to watch Pearl Harbor. It's <laughs> a good... Um, there's a good sorry my go for it there's a great uh, performance by John Voigt as uh, the president of the United States the crippled president where he he stands it's a it's a great scene <laughs> or the sex sex and parachutes <laughs> or uh, it's like that's the thing like if it was if, if Pearl Harbor was more just like this is a goofy summer movie I'd almost be more able to excuse it because it'd still be offensive that it's taking this historical event and turning it into a popcorn movie, but at least to be a little more honest about it. But the fact that it is like trying to be Titanic, yet it is as goofy and glossy as any Bruckheimer Bay production, it just it just makes it that much worse, I find. That's probably fair. That's fair. I mean, partly the three-hour runtime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wasn't there like a four or five disc edition of that? You'd probably know. You'd probably own it. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, <laughs> um, An in- interesting film that pops up on his list is uh, uh, Veronica Guerin. Has anyone seen that? I have not. No, I haven't. I, that's, isn't that directed by uh, Joel Schumacher? Yeah, so he's done a few films with yeah, Schumacher, starring, too. Yeah, uh, Kate Blanchett. So, it's 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 so not Brockheimer though. It doesn't. It, like I'm really surprised to see it on this list. It doesn't. I, I've seen that film a few times. It doesn't remind me anything of what Brockheimer's done. But then again, it kind of might hark back to his more. I wouldn't say art house days, but it's more um, 
interesting is it's still Joel Schumacher, but it's, it's, it doesn't even feel like a Joel Schumacher film. It's very interesting that either one of those are involved. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what about Bad Boys? <laughs> that, that, okay. I have not seen Bad Boys 2 yet. What? I know. Classic. It's Michael Bay's first collaboration with Megan Fox. How could you miss it? Oh. I think you've just given me all the reasons. My opinion is Michael Michael Bay's best film. Really? Yeah. Because it's like so over the. It's like a. It's like a. It's like his. Honestly, I think it's one of his. His only film. Why it's his best. Is it's because it's the only one that actually becomes a full on spoof of itself. Okay. So it doesn't take See, itself too seriously. About Transformers Two. No, I think Transformers Two still like almost takes itself kind of seriously, and is like, mm-hmm. and it's like this is like the coolest thing ever. Like I mean, there's no scenes I, in like, like oh, yeah. but there's no scenes in Bad Boys Two of like Shia LaBeouf dying and in slow motion with muted sound, like his parents going no, as the camera like orbits around and. So what you're sa- so are you saying that Bad Boys Two is actually you know holding back a, a little bit more subtle than than Transformers Two? In a way, you could say that, yeah. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna see if it's on that. If it's on watch instantly. If it is, I, I will. Think part of, and I think part of what helps too is the R rating, like because Transformers whole PG thirteen is kind of keeps it in that middle of the road like uh, toy commercial kind of territory while. The R rating of Bad Boys Two is so like in full effect with how like violent it is that it just it it puts it in that holy crap this is insane kind of territory. Okay, crap! It's not I'm watching. Very true. Bummer. I'll still add it to the queue. You should. I I it has been done, sir. It has been done. Uh, and then after that, oh, King Arthur. Ooh. Ooh. You know, I, 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 this one almost registers as a guilty pleasure for me. It's not a great film, but it's it's kind of fun still. Uh, it strikes me like being like Pearl Harbor, where he's like trying to like make like a serious like historical epic, but it's like as silly as any summer blockbuster. Gotcha. One well, of those things where it, t- it takes itself a little bit too well, seriously. That's the problem with doing King Arthur seriously. <laughs> it's King Arthur. You can't do it seriously it's 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 full of wizards and swords in stones and a fictional land i will (laughs) say i like historical it's a legend and wasn't it i will i I will say i like it how at the end they all turn into horses yes that is a good ending (laughs) amazing um (laughs) okay the next movie is one that i just cannot get into i i tried but i i couldn't like like there there's um there's a great sci-fi author, David Brin, out there, who has said that when you watch a movie, you, you have to have internal dials that you know how, what to turn up and what to turn down. Like, you see something like Fast Five, you know you need to turn your science dial down to, like, zero. Because, you know, there's nothing remotely realistic and that happens in that movie. But if you can tweet, if, but if you can adjust your expectations, there's fun to be had. National Treasure, I, I couldn't go negative. It's just, it wasn't going to happen. I hate that movie. I remember little about it, but uh, I will say I think it's probably better than in like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Or even or even the. I the wouldn't Vinci go that code. far, but I put them about par. <laughs> I definitely yeah, watched like, National Treasure. Indiana first. Jones is from Steven Spielberg and like has all the original people back. Well. So, you know, it's like the fact that it's like at that national treasure level just like makes it that much worse. At least national treasure is yeah. just, you know, national treasure. At least, you know, national treasure. Yes. I realized 15 minutes From in this John movie. Tiles, yeah. <laughs> they, they are. Did he direct that? Seriously? <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. I think the, so. trailer, the trailers. Remember the trailers? When it was like from director John Turtletop. Yep. You're right. That's his, Disney, that, that's his go-to Disney guy. What else has he done? I only know him for National Treasure 1 and 2. I'm looking. I'm looking. He's, he he's, uh, did Three Ninjas. <laughs> he's directed 15 <laughs> things. Let's see here. We, we have got Harper's Island, National Treasure, The Kid, Instinct, 
Uh, he did an episode of From the Earth to the Moon, Phenomenon, While You Were Sleeping. This isn't getting any better. Uh, cool, <laughs> cool Runnings. The director of While You Were Sleeping comes National Treasure. And Cool Runnings. Well, cool Runnings was good. It was, yeah. Uh, then you got Three Ninjas <laughs> and Driving Me Crazy. Wow. That is not the most impressive film. Driving Me Crazy. Melissa Jarrett Hart movie. Yes. Oh my god. It looks like on a lot of these. It looks like he's actually like un, under contract to Disney because a lot of this stuff was made by Disney. <laughs> wow. So yeah, John, John, Johnny Boy. Yeah. All right. Um, do we want to? Okay. We, we we've talked about how much fun the first Pirates is. What did you guys think of the second two Pirates movies? Let's just kind of I get that. Thought the second one was pretty. I've like I've only seen each one one time, right? But I thought the first the sorry the second one was fun. A little too long, but fun. And the third one was like, just like, what the fuck is this, <laughs> Jack? I, I think they're both offensively bad. I think I really despise the second two Pirates movies. I'm really not looking forward to the fourth one. <laughs> it's, I think they have no, they've got no plot, no real. I mean, it, they're just surviving on the charisma of Johnny Depp, which is waning with every movie. And the third one is it's just this huge lemon bit where it's, just, it's, it's, it's literally going nowhere for two and a half hours. And then... I think it's like close to three, reason, Orlando Bloom live on a boat. It's like close to three hours, to be honest, uh, I think. Hang on, I want to look it up. Now, <laughs> Even worse... Oh wow! The, the, the uh, there is one part of what, the second two movies that I will that I will defend, and that's the part in David Jones' locker in the second one with the little I, crabs. I yo, I love the part where yeah, the woman turns into crabs. Yeah, and then you have all the white crabs that are the sand beach. That 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 was like something that Gilliam would make. I thought it was oh, absolutely yeah, genius. Like there's like visual there's visuals in them I like. I just think like the screenplays are just disasters. Oh yeah. Uh, like, like why, is, why is the third one that long? Seriously, why is it? Why, why is a hundred and sixty-nine minutes? Confusing? Why is it that long and that confusing? It's like to me, like I, I think that Inland Empire makes more sense than Pirates of the Caribbean three. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the big part of the news behind the third film like they they do it shooting it with an unfinished script? And they were promoting that really heavily, but no one seems to think, wait, but that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look at, see if there's any of the TV shows that he's done that I've really liked or have seen even. And I really haven't. CSI? You know, close to home? Nope. No, I'm, I don't watch. I, I, I will take it back. I've watched some of The Amazing Race, and that's a pretty interesting show. Which, if there's going to be, if, if anyone was going to do a reality if he was going to do any kind of reality show it would be the amazing race because it feels like a Bruckheimer thing every time but yeah uh, i don't know the the man's brought us I, I think he really furthered the action movie a lot especially through the 90s yeah but now he just that's the thing like i saying now he just makes movies for kids yeah like 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 sorcerer's apprentice or prince of persia and yeah i don't know there were some pretty adult moments in confessions of a shopaholic Yes, but did anyone actually see it? I did. You're the guy. It wasn't. I'm, I'm the guy. The only guy who saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, but I I think... What what do you think led that to him? Just he's moved on to a different part of his... Different time in his life, or people aren't I giving him the opportunity? I just think the Caribbean was so successful. He's like, okay, this is... This is it. This is, this is what's... This is the hot thing right now. Keep going with the family friendly. It'll be all good. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I think that we've we we've... you notice know, this. I mean, his last film was Prince of Persia, and that's definitely trying to capture the um the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. Absolutely, it is. I I don't think it really succeeded wholly. It was it was a, still a, per, a fairly fun film, but nothing I need to own. No. I'll put it that way. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the first producer episode is in the can, I think. I, I, I think we've, we've put this one to bed. 
Okay. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and move on to what is coming Scott out. Scott Rudin next. <laughs> what was that? Scott Rudin. Scott Rudin next. <laughs> I like Scott Rudin. Let's do that. Everyone you know, likes Scott Rudin. He was a producer on Team America. I was watching that again, I think, like a year ago, and his name was in the end credits. Like, holy crap, Scott Rudin produced this? <laughs> Isn't he a producer on every Paramount movie, though? His name seems to pop up on every Paramount movie. He's like every, like, Oscar bait movie is either him or the Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Not to look mm. him up just for fun. Okay, but talk, let's talk about what's coming out in theaters this week. The the highly anticipated by both Jack and I, uh, Pirates of the Freaking Caribbeans on Stranger Tides. I I have no hope for this. Do you? Do you, Jack? I have a friend who likes both the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean movie a lot. He went to see this. He says it's atrocious. So wow! So even if people high wow. for me, <laughs> wow. Okay, so that has set the bar sufficiently low, I think. All right, and in limited release, we've got Midnight in Paris. Which 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 movie is this, Ethan? It's the new uh, Wooden Allen's movie. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. How did I miss that? Holy crap! Okay. I love the trailer for this movie. Right on. Cool. And then coming to home video next week, we have got Nomeo and Juliet. I am number four. Wow, that's just like a really crappy Ooh. set. Transformers the Complete Series, like the 80s series. Uh, Samurai Shampoo the Complete Series. The Kids in the Hall, Death Comes to Town. And then we've got, th- uh, let's see here, two films coming from Criterion. We've got The Great Dictator and Solaris. Um, Solaris is probably going to be, it's probably been remastered in new special features and stuff, but for Blu-ray. And then we've got Papillon in, blu- on a, in a Blu-ray book edition. Yeah. I do you guys I highly recommend Death Comes to Town. Have have you seen it? Yeah. I really like the kids in the hall and it's pretty much up there with the stuff they've done before. Nice. When I think kids of the hall I always think of um no that's the state, my bad, never mind. I was thinking of the state. <laughs> I like the state as well. The two hundred and forty dollars worth of pudding always gets me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, goodness. Um, let's see. We do have one email for that came in a little while ago, and I totally spaced reading it, so that is my bad. Uh, but I'll go ahead and read it now. Hello, all. After listening to the latest episode, episode 146, I think, I heard Dave mention beginning to watch the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles on Netflix. Watch it now. I heard that it was on there a couple weeks ago and jumped right on it. I was a fan of it back in the day when it first came out and was glad to be able to revisit it. The thing I miss the most about it, though, is the fact they don't have the oh, they don't have the 90-year-old one-eyed Indy in it. Originally, he would open and close the show talking, and usually boring, some poor soul about his adventures as a kid. I'm not sure why they thought this would they should erase him from the DVDs. Anyway, not the cool, anyway, the coolest part about watching these shows again is that I'm getting to share it with my six-year-old daughter. She's my little geekling in training. She's also a big fan of Doctor Who. I'm a proud geek dad. This has been, as always, surreal. Thanks for writing in, sir. Sorry for the delay in uh, reading that aloud. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, by all means do. You can uh, shoot us an email to... Uh, podcast, Dave, Barry, Ethan, all at ScreenGeeks.com, and you can even email Jack if you'd like to at Jack at, what is it, ScreenGeeks? ScreenGeeks.com, it's your website, so... That's right, oh yeah, it's ScreenGeeks.co.uk, my bad, I'm I'm brain farting, don't mind me. I think .com works as well. That's right, I think I did touch up with a .com as well. I hope it does. So, yeah, you've got all kinds of stuff going on over the UK side, do you have anything you want to highlight at all? Um, well, firstly, if there are any, if there is anybody in the UK who is looking, who is interested in writing for a website, get on contacting me because I seem to be the only one at the moment who is anyway interested. <laughs> so, you know, send an email because there's fun times to be had in the Screen Geeks family. It, you is can't that... see, but I'm getting a thumbs up right now. Absolutely, you know, no, but I, w- I would love to have more people. Are there many film websites over in the UK right now that are very active? Um, yeah, there's film website. It's if it, the, the there's a if there's a film, there'll be a website. Um, uh, it, of course, there are, but um, it just it seems that there are many people who are interested. I've contacted everybody I kind of know who is interested in film 
but uh, not many people wanting to write. So I'm now li- reaching out to you Screen Geeks listeners, all two of you who are in England, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> um, get get in contact if you if you want. Um, you know, it, it, we could hook you up with some cool job of writing. Got some screeners to that you need stuff. Uh, re- you need some screeners reviewed. I know of DVD yeah. releases and yeah. If any if anybody needs if anybody wants a free copy of the Final Sacrifice on DVD, they can have it and review it. Wow, yeah. is that the MST version or just the actual movie? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just have a disc here that says the Final Sacrifice. Because I know that, th- that that might be an, a Mystery Science Theater thing too. No, it's not. It's definitely not an MST thing. It's um, I think it's a foreign war movie. Okay, but yes, if you have it, if you want to write for us in the in the on the UK website, just email Jack Jack at screengeeks.co.uk or Jack at screengeeks.com. He'll get met up with you, and uh, who knows, you might even get roped into doing a podcast down the road or something. Egots. You never know. So, um, I, who knows what we're talking about next week? We're gonna have some fun. What did we say we're talking about? Oh, they're Terrence Malick, right? I believe that was the idea. We are going to do our Terrence Malick episode to talk about all of his films. All four of them, is it? Yep. But what a four what a heck of a four movies. So it's gonna be a good show. Barry will be, be back. back. What was I'll that? be back for the Scott Rudin episode. Sweet. Right on. That that will be a blast. Uh, now we have to do it. <laughs> we kinda do. Except he's done like ninety one things, but yeah, that's that should be interesting. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, to see if we actually end up doing that tune in in future episodes but until next week this is Dave kill people burn shit fuck school wow this and is just Jack thanks for joining us sir <laughs>